Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On March 19th, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. The theme for our March Story Slam was Silver Linings. We heard stories of falling short, then seeing the light, positive takeaways from hardships and major life events, and even one story about a pie contest. In the end, our winner was Angela Merrick, who won with her story about a turning point in her formerly vanilla life. So I'm an obnoxious optimist. I lived an incredibly wonderful, very vanilla life. I like vanilla a lot. I like anything, actually, with ice cream. But I lived a vanilla life. It was fabulous. I had an amazing husband I met my first semester in college, two beautiful boys, my own chiropractic practice that seemed to be still solvent, despite my best efforts as a business owner. No, it was great. But I lived a vanilla life, and I loved it. I knew where we were going. We had financial security, all the things of the American life. My husband ran marathons. He was the technology director of a payrolling company down in Towson, so he commuted every day. And one day, which, by the way, he was a very stoic man, he came to me, he's like, Ange, my belly hurts. I need to go to the ER. What? No, you're Superman. Nothing ever permeates that exterior. You're good. So I took him to the ER, had to drop him off because I had two little kids at home. Like, what in the hell is going on? This bump in his belly. Go home, take care of the kiddos, go back to the ER. What's going on? Now, if anybody is in the medical profession, July 1st happens to be the first day. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> first day that the interns start, right? He's trying to get an ultrasound. He's telling the heck, and he's not a medical person, how to use the ultrasound. And they went and did a CT, still scratching their head. They saw a mass in his belly, weren't sure what the hell it was. Eight days later, two biopsies, we still didn't know. My husband, who was very strong and very healthy, very fit-looking, lost 20 pounds in just a few days. So three days later, they called and they said, hey, why don't you come in and let's go, let's, uh, we have your results, because they did the biopsy when they finally had the results. And Josh said to me, you know, if everything's okay, that's awesome. If it's not, I'm gonna be really mad, because they just told me, just come in, no big deal. So he sends me off to work, he goes in, and I get a text. I'm in the middle of taking care of chiropractic patients, so loving and serving all of them. I get a text, I'm checking my phone like every five minutes to see what is going on. And it said, neuroendocrine tumor. What the hell is that? Is that cancer? Is it some hormonal thing? Like, what? give me more. I meet up with him at lunch. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm saying hell a lot. He's like, it's cancer. What? Wait, no, 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 no. We have this vanilla life. That's what I signed up for. Nobody in our family gets cancer like this, right? Not our family. That happens to other nameless people, right? I'm like, what is it? He's like, it's called a high-grade small cell neuroendocrine carcinoma. 
and essentially it's doubling in size every few days. Prognosis, four months. What? No. No. <laughs> My mind was like, oh, hell no. So remember what I told you, being an obnoxious optimist, right? My brain could not understand cancer not this type of cancer. So I shoved it to the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, so what do we do? <laughs> and Josh looked at me and he's like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to work and look and research and find everything I can to see what I can do to make this happen. See if we can beat this cancer. Because I know at the end, whether I do or don't, I know I've tried everything. And in that very moment, my husband, Josh, my Superman decided to choose life. He had no idea what was gonna happen. We decided to go forward immediately and do chemo and have surgery. And all the while he decided to not work so hard, he decided to pull back and sleep more, turn the, the, turn the computer off, engage with our family. We took a trip to Spain. We decided to really engage. I thought I was living this vanilla life. I thought that was what was gonna happen and all of a sudden we found that we may not have that predictable, wonderful American life that we thought we were going to have. And I watched as my incredible husband decided to live. Decided to engage on a deeper level and show that for myself and our two boys. And my very left-brained cerebral husband who always needed to prove everything, found a faith that he never knew existed. Nine months after he was diagnosed, he asked me, he's like, Ange, can you, can one of your patients, who happened to be, I had, saw a number of uh, pastors, can you come in and baptize me? I'd like to be baptized at our house. Okay. That afternoon, the perfect person walked in and he came to our house the next day. Two and a half weeks later, Josh got his angel wings. But he left an incredible legacy of strength to model for our children. And he did everything in his power to make sure that we could be successful moving forward. And my story does not end. Yes, my life is no longer vanilla. I've since remarried. Have another, I have another child to love, a stepson, and two dogs. I get to honor my late husband by living today. And I encourage each and every one of you to look deeply in your own heart to see where you may not be living. And just like Josh, choose life. Thank you. Angela earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up, we have a story from Phil Rarick, who shared his story of finding silver linings amid life's challenges. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you know, the scariest part is, I'm not sure which is scarier, telling the story or your name getting called. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, silver lining, right? Yeah. You guys have seen the movie Silver Linings Playbook, right? Yeah, I... There's that phrase, there's a line said in the movie, humanity is nasty and there are no silver linings. I jokingly believed that. I didn't really believe it. I didn't seriously believe it. I just thought, ah, there's no way that's true. I mean, it's just a line in a movie. But, you know, 
there's some certain things in life that makes you go, maybe there is some credence to that. I, um, I don't know how it started, but college was kind of a, an odd period for me because, um, you know, I thought it could be, it'd be just like, you know, I, I, I used to think that it'd be a lot like those college movies, you know, like Animal House or something, you know, partying all the time, having fun with friends, getting to all kinds of shenanigans. But no, college is a lot of hard work. It, it really is. And college is also a lot of stuff happening to you really fast and hitting you really hard. I mean, like the first big thing that happened was when I got into an accident with my truck and, and, my, and my dog died and then my grandma died and then my grandpa died and then my parents got divorced. And by the time that I graduated, I thought, okay, it's over. I can just, I can live my life and try to move on. But no, um, I don't know. I just kept dealing with a feeling of uncertainty that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I kept thinking of all kinds of things I wanted to do. And I thought, I don't know, I didn't know how to get to them. And I know that things don't instantly happen right away. I know that they don't just magically happen, but I, don't, I, I try to hold on to some kind of hope. And then, and then um, my, my house sold. I moved in with my grandmother who has Alzheimer's and, you know, trying to take care of her can be really frustrating because she can be there and then the next thing you know, she's not there. And I felt like I wasn't going anywhere in life. I felt like I, I, tried, I tried a bunch of different things. I tried acting classes. I tried uh, participating in plays. And, you know, they're fun and they do lift me up at times, but when when it's all said and done the question is what's next what's the next step so i didn't know what else to do i felt like i was stuck i didn't see any i didn't see any way forward and i almost thought i didn't want to well i didn't want to i just didn't want to exist anymore, I guess. But then I had, I had help. I had help. I got, to quote the Beatles, I got by with a little help from my friends and, and family. My sister, my, my, my friends Nick and Steve, Justin, uh, my mom, my dad, Kayla, and whole bunch of other people they I understand that they can't always be there because they got their own lives to live but it's nice to know that they chime in to check up on me and try to help me out however they can and offer whatever help they can and I realized that the silver line that human I realized that yeah, humanity can be nasty sometimes, sure, but not always. And there are silver linings. I mean, silver lining and all this, I mean, I'm still alive. I'm... I'm still kicking. 
I'm still going at it one step at a time because that's all I can do. Nothing's really set in stone, but that doesn't mean I can't try. And it's nice to know that there are people who care. And it's nice to know that it's just, it's just nice to know. Thank you. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Jamie Beth. Jamie shared her story about a pie-off that took place shortly after she started a new job in New York City. Sometimes silver linings come um, from circumstances you can't control. You walk into them and they happen. Sometimes you create your own dark clouds. <laughs> so uh, when you work in theater in New York City, the year is uh, like a school year. It starts in September and goes through the Tonys in June. And um, the theater where I worked when I was 25 years old in New York City started each year with a pie-off. You know what a pie-off is, right? It's like a potluck dinner with a pie-baking contest attached to it. Um, I had never heard of such a thing. Um, but that's okay, because I was new. I had started in August. The pie-off came in September, and um, I was still trying to get to know everyone, and I was still trying to impress everyone. So this was like okay, the pie-off. That was going to be my moment. Um, so Monday morning, the pie-off's on a Monday, because that's when the theater is closed. So Monday morning, the head of fundraising comes up to my desk and says, hey, Jamie. And I think, oh, I'm in already. He knows my name. I'm like, all right, awesome. He goes, so did you bring a pie for tonight? And I was like, no. No, I didn't, I didn't bring a, a pie. I mean, it was like potluck or pie. And um, he said, uh, you didn't bring a pie? And I was like, N -n no. And I'm thinking like, okay, what do I say to him? How do I make it sound like I'm still like with the program and everything's fine? And even though I'm just bringing chips and salsa from the bodega on the corner, like I'm a team player. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't bring a pie. And I start to launch into some made up excuse as to why I didn't bring a pie. And he goes, because the real reason is I hate gooey fruit. Like pies gross. And then, so I'm like thinking, okay, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? And he goes, great, we need another judge. And that's how I became the person eating forkfuls of pie in front of a hundred people I was trying to impress on a Monday night. And right in front of like, there are literally a hundred people facing me and two other judges, right? Is my then boyfriend, now husband, laughing his ass off because all afternoon he's like calling me, we didn't text, we didn't have cell phones. He's like calling me at work going like, back out, like back out, like come up with an excuse, back out. You don't have to do this. And I was like, no, 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 I think I have to do this. Like I'm trying to impress these people, I have to do this. Um, my way of doing this was just drinking a lot of alcohol. And so um, drinking a lot of alcohol when you're trying to impress a room full of people that you're going to be working with for God knows how long, maybe not the best solution, um, maybe just creating this cloud over your head. And so I am so drunk. I, like, but you have to understand, it's gooey fruit. It's like gooey fruit for as far as the eye can see. And I'm like eating the gooey fruit and like downing beers and eating the gooey fruit. And I'm thinking this is like a disaster waiting to happen, right? I'm gonna vomit. I didn't. I'm gonna say something horrible. I, a couple times, I did. Um, I'm gonna make really horrible faces. My now husband can attest to that. Um, but ultimately, I was shocked, like nothing horrible happened, and like everyone knew my name, right? Like I was Jamie, I was one of the pie judges, and I was super drunk and saying silly things, but it was, it was actually okay. And so 
Um, at the end of the night, still very drunk, my team, there are four of us, we huddle up because my boss, who is a lovely individual, for some reason had scheduled an 8 a.m. meeting the next morning. And we were all, the four of us, supposed to be there. Now, in the New York theater world, you work 10 to 6, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I drank every night. I didn't have to be at work till 10. That night, that Monday night, I drank so much that getting to work at 10 a.m. was going to be unlikely, but getting to work at 8 a.m. was going to be nearly impossible. And so the four of us are sort of huddled in the corner before we're all dispersing into the night. And he, goes, he, looks, he looks at me and he's like, so I guess we don't all have to be in at 8 a.m. tomorrow. I mean, can one of you work the meeting with me? And Sharon and I, two of us, lived in Brooklyn. And our boss and intern, John, lived in Manhattan, close to where our office was in Midtown. And so John, right, it's, he's new too, right? The interns start in September, beginning of the year. And John's like, I'll, I'll work the meeting. I'll work the meeting. And I was like, oh, thank God, because like, there was no way I was going to work the meeting. And so I'm here to tell you that the silver lining of drinking way too much alcohol and eating more pie than you ever wanted to in your life on a Monday night is that on Tuesday, September 11th of 2001, I was in Brooklyn with my now husband instead of across the river, stranded, not knowing if I was ever going to make it home. Thank you. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. Please also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is YorkStorySlam, and also on Facebook. And watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com. <laughs>